Welcome back to the IoT Podcast. I'm your host, Tom White. Every week, we are joined by the biggest names in IoT to unravel the trends, misconceptions, and predictions for the Internet of Things. Before we get into today's episode, don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're watching or listening on and turn on that notification bell so you're never out of the loop. Today's episode, I'm joined by Tanya Suarez, a founder at IoT Tribe, a global ecosystem of IoT startups, entrepreneurs, and innovators. Tanya is also the governing board member at the General Assembly of European Quantum Industry Consortium. In today's episode, we'll be talking all things quantum computing, exploring how IoT and quantum are being used together. We're also getting to some use case examples of where quantum has been successfully applied to enhance performance of IoT devices. And later on, we'll be looking at the impacts of future smart cities and urban developments, plus lots more. Let's get into it. Before we get into the episode, shout out to our sponsor today, 5 e Tech. 5 e Tech are specialists in finding people who make technology a force for good in the world. They bridge the gap between talent and deep tech businesses around the globe. Click the link in the description to find out more. And you're welcome to the IoT Podcast Show. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here and uh, thank you for being so patient and waiting to uh, to get the slot to come on. Uh, I know we, we engaged quite some time ago, but it's it's really good to, to bring you on and have a chat. So as always, could you explain a little bit about who you are, your business, IoT Tribe, and what that does? Well, thank you again for, for having me here today and um, I hope the... Uh, the wait is, is worth it for the listeners. I'm sure it will be for me. Um, so first of all, a little bit about IoT Tribe. It's, it's just one of my companies. I have um, several, but um, IoT Tribe, essentially what we do is we help organizations build out complex technology ecosystems. And the way we do that is through the delivery of accelerator programs that support advanced technology startups. Um, the founders come from all over the world. And generally, uh, once they come to accelerate a program, we work with them on their product market fit. We introduce them to our networks, to investors, to potential clients. Um, but the really important thing is that they remain part of the tribe. So it's a relationship that starts within an accelerator, but then goes far, far beyond that. Amazing, yeah. It's, um, it's always rather special when I hear about accelerators or, or incubators because I think the IoT world actually is, is quite disparate in, in the sense that you have very large PLCs and a lot of startups. And I, and I think those folks can do with some help actually, um, you know, from business processes to funding, etc. So um, I always think it's, it's such a lovely thing to do uh, to be able to, to help people get into business and, and try and scale their companies beyond an idea, right? Absolutely. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's This isn't really just about proof of concept because you might have a product or a service. It may involve hardware, it may not. You know, the, the Internet of Things is no longer just about a few sensors stuck on uh, some piece of machinery somewhere. Um, you know, it's much, much more complex than that. And understanding how your product, your solution uh, really integrates or is integrated within somebody's business is actually a really complex um, endeavor. You need to understand data flows. You need to understand and make sure that cybersecurity issues are covered. It's not something that for a startup, 
um, you know, early stage startup, even if you've got a team of five, six people, it's not something that's terribly easy to do. It's a fantastic thing, as I mentioned, but you're quite the entrepreneur. You mentioned that you've got several other businesses as well, uh, including, I think it's the Net Zero Alliance and um, other ventures and programmes. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, it's like the entrepreneur is uh, it sounds like a very grandiose way of putting things. I've got a, another company that's called Blue Specs, and, and we work at the intersection of technology, policy, and skills. Um, and the Net Zero Tech Alliance, as you've just pointed out, is actually a spin out from um, IoT Tribe. And the reason we span it out was because a lot of um, the startups, but also uh, clients, were looking to uh, really. Uh, explore solutions that were going to help them decarbonize their operations, their activities, and essentially their business, uh, you know, across multiple um, domains and business areas. And what we found that while some technologies were there and that they're ready to be integrated, others are actually probably still in labs. You know, we're looking at, for example, uh, for the efficient storage of, of energy, a battery technology still has quite a long way to go, especially if you're looking at um, uh, storing renewable energies. So that's where the Net Zero Tech Alliance uh, was born, and, and that's what we're currently in the process of setting up. It's very exciting. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's, uh, it's very on trend at the moment with uh, the way business is moving forward, both with government pledges around the world, uh, from a kind of net zero carbon perspective, um, the EV movement, etc., um, and, and, and generating some real momentum. But it, it feels like it's the right thing to do, actually, doesn't it? You know, the right thing to be focusing on. Absolutely, and I think that the key thing here that it's not just about business. So we have um, UCL as one of our founder members, and you know, the, the role of science here is is, is absolutely critical. Um, you know, you've obviously heard of, of of companies doing a lot of greenwashing and saying they're doing more things than than they perhaps in reality are. Um, but I think one of the real challenges is to really kind of establish where your emissions are with a scientific measurement of, of what they are now and uh, measure what you're doing to reduce those over a period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Well, what well, the background and, uh, you know, again, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Um, so what, one of the key topics that we're going to talk about today and something that's been listed, uh, and in fact, it's one of the first times it's been touched on in the IoT podcast, which is crazy to say because it's something that's kind of been at the uh, peripheral of a lot of technology, both within generative AI, which is getting a lot of hype at the moment, but of course IoT and what was these machine to machine mm -hmm. is the concept of quantum computing. Um, and I think quantum has the potential to really, uh, for want of a better phrase, and that's somewhat cliche, but shift the dial actually in mm -hmm. terms of how we go about uh, modernizing data platforms and, uh, and general infrastructure within technology itself. And Tanya, you've recently been re-elected, I understand, as a governing board member of the General Assembly of the European Quantum Industry Consortium, I believe. Yeah, it's so quick. It's called cool quick. A, <laughs> <laughs> is that right? It is, it is. And it's, it's quick for short. It's, uh, right, okay. Um, it's, it's, it, it, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. But yes, um, yes. yeah, no, I, um, I have. I've been involved, actually. I think I was looking at it earlier since um, uh, 2021 now. So, um um, the quick is is absolutely growing. Um, I wouldn't say exponentially, but very very steadily. 
um, as quantum technologies are maturing, but also as the market is becoming more aware of what they have to offer. And perhaps just a, a, a minor uh, correction in my mind, what you said, you were talking about quantum computing and quantum is not just about computing. You also have quantum sensing and quantum communications. Um, although the quantum computing and, you know, the qubits and the race between, you know, these uh, huge uh, tech uh, giants the world over, that's, that's what's really capturing, I think, the, the press. But there are going to be significant advances across all the quantum areas um, in the years to come. Um, and again, that's going to require a, a shift in how companies um, prepare themselves for the good things and possibly some bad things that quantum will bring. Mm. Yeah, thank, thank, thank you for that. Thank you for the clarification. I think it's um, it's interesting actually, isn't it? It kind of rolls off the tongue quantum computing, but of course there are other elements of quantum, and I kind of think that's a really useful point that you've just made there. So, so for some of our listeners. Um, and to kind of take it from the top, you know, what is quantum in your view and, you know, and, and why is it so important? Well, um, so just to start with 60 second kind of like basic uh, quantum computing um, essentially uses quantum bits or qubits. Um, they can exist in multiple states at once. Um, so you probably will have heard the old uh, explanation of, um, you know, with, with, a, with a normal bit, a computer bit, it is either one or a zero. A qubit can be a one and a zero um, at the same time. Um, and that property is called superposition. And essentially what it does is enable um, quantum computers to process vast number of possibilities simultaneously. So that's kind of like the, the, the really, really exciting about thing, um, the thing about quantum um, at the moment. Um, quantum sensing involves uh, quantum systems to measure physical uh, quantities and properties with much more precision than we're able to at the moment. And um, finally, quantum communications, that's based on quantum entanglement and superposition again to transmit information that is um, fundamentally secure. So it's secure at the, at the point it is being generated. It isn't information that's generated first and then um, uh, you know, a, a cryptography is a, a applied or, or any other uh, type of technology is then applied to make it secure. It's, it's actually secure at the moment it's being generated. Yeah, I mean, it's, that really is, you know, when you, when you put it that way, it really is fundamentally uh, more advanced. You talk about binary code, of course, quantum cryptography. Uh, and cryptography in both positions at the same time, the superposition. I, I remember, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to show my ignorance here, but was it the, um, is it Schroeder's cat? Is it the example? Schrodinger's cat, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, it's a really horrible image if you think about it, right? You, they, they could have, you know, come up with something nicer than thinking of a cat being alive and dead at the same time. But the fact is, um, both through the original uh, uh, metaphor and through subsequent things like, uh, you know, Big Bang Theory. Um, that's what really captures people's imagination. So it's probably one of the first things people learn about when they look into quantum. They look up what is Schrodinger's cat and what does it mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's one of the things that stuck in, in my mind many years ago when I was uh, first kind of heard about uh, Watson, IBM, etc., and kind of looked into it. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Um, so so I guess specifically, you know, this is a this is an IoT podcast, and you know, the the, the uh, advantages and potential of quantum and IoT is going to be quite interesting. So 
How, how do you believe quantum and IoT can work together in the future? What does that look like? Well, that's actually a really um, complex question because, um, for example, you know, IoT at the moment you use um, IoT for sensing and collecting um, information. In the future, that technology may change completely and you just may want to use uh, quantum sensing, for example, um, for something completely, un well, where you would absolutely want something to be um, unobtrusive. So, for example, brain scans, um, you know, that's where quantum sensing would provide an absolute step change in the quality of the, the images, but also um, the granularity of the data. And then, of course, how that data can be um, analysed. Um, it's being used at the moment across, well, I should clarify that, it isn't actually being used by anyone at the moment, it's being explored by many, many different com uh, uh, companies. And I was at a conference, it was The Economist um, Commercialising Quantum Conference not too long ago, and BMW were uh, explaining one of their use cases. Um, and if you think of a BMW, it has uh, an, a rather nice, or some of them have rather nice rear wings, um, commonly called spoilers. And um, what they were looking at is how to actually optimise the design of those spoilers. And if you look at that theory in, in detail, it actually belongs to um, computational fluid dynamics, of which I know nothing, I have to say. Um, but uh, they were explaining that the number of parameters that they would need to optimise a spoiler properly runs into the into the millions and probably into you know tens of millions if not even thousands of millions or billions uh, because they have to look at parameters as diverse as angle of attack wing size wing position uh, material the car speed even external environmental factors so if you look at that just one element of the car and all of the um, pieces of data that are required to design it in an optimum way uh, so that you perhaps use more fuel and therefore you're, um, you're able to, uh, to, to decarbonize your journey, if you like. Uh, it, it really is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, it's, 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 it's almost breathtaking, actually, isn't it? You know, how fundamentally the, the, the change uh, can be from the ground up, actually. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic example there. And um, in terms of IoT tribe, then, in terms of partners and some of the exploratory uh, work, even proof of concept work at the moment that's happening with quantum, could you talk a little bit about that and you know initiatives within the ecosystem? Yeah, so we're not actually working, uh, we haven't delivered a quantum accelerator yet. I think that it's true to say that it's um, up until very recently, it's been um something that 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 was a little bit too far from the market for us to be able to to engage with i think that that's actually changing and a number of um companies operating or, or wanting within the, the quantum technologies generally so whether it's uh computing or whether it's communications or sensing a number of them are actually startups um and they're startups that are raising um, a lot of money, both within Europe, but also um, in the US and elsewhere. And um, what they have is breathtaking technologies and capabilities. Um, but what they require is that ability to be able to test those with real real world um, cases, so use cases to really be able to, uh, for example, access data or to prove that something is going to be adding the value that they say it's going to be adding. So it's um, 
is a field that will be advancing in so far as everyone advances along with it. It's not going to be something that can just uh, progress within a within a lab or even as you know we we think we were we were speaking earlier before we went on air about generative AI and how quickly that went from lab to market. That's not going to be the case with quantum. It is much 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 more complex. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You should say that. What? Why? Why is that the case? Obviously, it's more complex. Uh, but generative AI is is making such leaps and bounds. Is is it just because um, the complexity of the subject matter or its ability to actually go into enterprise level and start to have real world uses, which is the issue? Uh, it, that's an interesting thing just to delve into a little bit more, actually. It's the, it's the science. It's absolutely the, you know, the, first of all, the science. So, for example, for quantum uh, computers to be useful, there's going to be um, a need to really uh, work on things like uh, noise reduction. The current noise essentially ref refers to the amount of kind of um, information or the dispersity of, um, of, of the different uh, kind of like atoms, etc. I can't go into that into too much detail because I'm not an expert, but it is one of the challenges that's being um, uh, that that has to be solved at a scientific level before uh, many computers can reach the scale required to to operate within the real world. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just such a fascinating space, isn't it? I remember a couple of years ago I was at an IoT security event when we were talking about uh, post quantum security. Yes. And what that would look like in in IoT, um, and uh, it it is it is such a a fundamental shift, and and I've said that a few times, and I guess it's because the world knows a computer from being on or off, as you say, right, from binary, from the NAND and NORD gates in the actual silicon. Uh, so for it to be both at the same time really is quite uh quite fundamentally different and i think i think the other challenge is of course is that is, is perhaps power and consuming and how much power it takes to run some of these quantum machines i, I remember reading the stories about watson as i mentioned earlier and the sheer scale of this uh isn't for the faint heart either is it no and i think that um you hit the nail on the head so at the intersection with iot one of the really interesting areas is indeed in in cybersecurity so a lot of um you know iot devices and the iot generally just opens up so many opportunities for bad actors to exploit vulnerabilities um that clearly can't happen within um kind of like a new post-quantum um world in a new post-quantum world and a lot of companies now are looking at how they can introduce things like uh, quantum key distribution homomorphic encryption um, there are a number of different technologies and approaches to make sure that for example in the financial sector once quantum computers um, are more widely available or start to become widely available or available full stop they need to have to be widely available um, you know the, the, these organizations have the tools to be able to protect themselves against these kind of, you know, the potentially nefarious actors mm -hmm. yeah because i think technology being a tool, like any tools, both good and bad, depending on which hand. Exactly. Right. Um, and, and, and I can imagine, yes, 
as we start to move towards you know cashless societies and so on, uh, having quantum computers in the wrong hands could actually be really dangerous, actually hugely dangerous, and, and in fact could be potentially catastrophic. Um, exactly, and it's and, and just to say that it's not just about obviously the financial sector. If you look at uh, you know attacks on the infrastructure, we've just seen that you know the dam being blown up in, um, in in the Ukraine, and you know there are so many different examples in which um, technology and and vulnerabilities within a system and a system of systems could be exploited. That this is something that has to be uh, looked at right at the outset. It can't be. An add-on, or you know, a plaster that, that's stuck on when when the you know the, these solutions are, as I say, um, rolled out to to the broader um, um, environment. Mm. There's a business I know called Crypto Quantique, actually, yeah. uh, who have spoken around this, and I think it's the whole principles of secure by design, right? And um, I don't think ever more so when it comes to quantum to to ensure that you know they're adhered to. Uh, before layering in functionality on top, because the foundations aren't secure and safe, uh, you won't be able to scale and uh, expose vulnerabilities later on. Um, yeah, and then, and and within Quick, we've got you know quite a few members um, are really uh, working on this as you know night and day. So you know, Kets, that's a UK-based startup. There's QSide, um, Barcelona-based. Um, and there are lots of different approaches as well, which I think is a really interesting thing. This is not necessarily going to be, um, you know, one single approach to uh, ensuring that security or that cybersecurity, uh, but very many different approaches at different uh, positions or different points in the value chain. Because again, you know, within a connected economy, and this is something that is very much part of what the IoT is, so the intelligent things is about connections between different parts. It's not just the device, it's not just about sensing a particular or within a particular environment, it's about the connectivity more generally and more broadly uh, between that particular device, other devices, the user, um, other data sets that may be um, connected within that domain or may be reaching out to, you know, to, 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 deployed in, in other completely different areas and markets. So it's incredibly complex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, to bring it up a little bit of a level, we did promise each other off air that we weren't getting into the complexities of it too much. But I yes, think, <laughs> I think, no, it's okay. I think, you, I, think you can, uh, I think you can literally hurt your brain sometimes when it talks about quantum. I'm, I'm, I'm so envious and, and, and admire people who work in quantum uh, for that reason, because it, you know, and again, this can't be uh, under underestimated. If you've ever if you've ever worked in computing, it's like relearning everything that you've ever known. Uh, it completely is. And and then going again, and that that's incredibly hard. Uh, so uh, yeah, anyone that's working in quantum that's listening, I admire and respect you in equal measure for the work that you're doing, uh, because it, because it is it is so it, it is so uh, so magical actually. Um, Talking about the future a little bit, then. So um, uh, one of the one of the pointers that we were, were going to discuss today was how smart cities and sustainable urban mm -hmm. developments can uh, benefit from from quantum and then the convergence of this into IoT. And 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 I'm guessing this is quantum sensors. This is being able to interpret much larger amounts of data that get thrown up from smart cities. Is is that the idea here? 
Well, it's so let's, you know, we're, we're sitting, um, you know, in the middle of cool offices, hopefully. Um, but, you know, outside our walls, uh, Europe definitely is, is melting. Um, and one of the, the biggest challenges for uh, cities and urban environments is going to be, of course, climate change. So if we look at some of the possible contributions that quantum could make within that very specific uh, field, uh, for example, climate modelling. So uh, quantum computers could uh, significantly enhance our ability to model the Earth uh, and our climate. Um, you know, climate models are really, really complex. Again, that horrible word, apologies for using it quite so often, um, but they do require vast amounts of computational power. So that ability to, um, to deploy algorithms and to reach answers and solutions more quickly is going to be absolutely critical. But beyond that, we look at um, other types of solutions, so carbon capture, uh, quantum computers could help design new materials or processes for capturing and storing carbon dioxide. Um, they could also help discover new materials, for example, for solar panels uh, or other clean technologies. Um, they could, I mentioned batteries earlier, so discovering new high performance uh, um, uh, cells or efficient designs for wind turbine blades. All of these things would would absolutely have an impact on how we can deal with climate change. I don't know whether we can prevent it, but hopefully at least mitigate it. Um, you know, th these these are really really exciting possibilities. Yeah, no, I mean that's um, that's incredible. Uh, it just got me thinking as well about you know the use of quantum and AI actually, um, you know, to 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 understand a, a significantly more uh, higher level of data and make informed decisions. So if you look at some of the models at the moment from a generative point of view, they're fairly rudimentary. Uh, chat, chat GPT and, and unreliable. Yes, yes, very unreliable. Um, and you can often, you can, and, and funny that, just as a buy, buy story, you can, you can often check that by asking chat GPT 4 or Bard to write a bio on yourself and then do it every week uh, and you'll see that it changes. Uh, but it does learn. Um, so I think I think the first time I ever did it, I graduated from Cornell University, so I'm not quite sure how it got that. Um, but I think so. The point is, of course, um, you know, um, quantum and AI to be able to decide, you know, the, those really tricky questions um, in the same way a level five autonomous car has to decide. Actually, mm. you know, do I crash? into this or do I crash into that, right? Mm. Is crashing the only option? So it'd be really interesting to see how that develops and how far away we are from from that rolling out. I mean, are we talk are we talking five, 10, 15, 20 years? How how, how long are we talking before? In your in your opinion, and, and by no means am I gonna hold you to this uh, or I'm anyone gonna, gonna say. hold you to this. But how, how long are we are we are we talking 20, 30 years before quantum could be used? No. I, I don't think it is that long, but if I knew the answer to that, then I'd probably be down the bookies at the moment, facing uh, a rather large bet. Um, but um, so, so there's something intermediate. So before reaching full-scale quantum capabilities, there's a lot of um, hybrid uh, computing happening at the moment. So that's uh, applying some quantum principles and some quantum capabilities to um, 
I would, I would hesitate to call them traditional computers, but certainly high performance computers. So that HPC segment of the market is a market that's absolutely uh, burgeoning at the moment, and it's giving rise to all sorts of other technological needs. So, for example, the design and development of chips and everything that comes with that. So the need to secure again supply chains and ensure something that in Europe is called strategic autonomy. So if you if you're at all in in the kind of like the policy sphere, this is on the, the word or the, the the phrase on everyone's lips. So again, really really interesting things, um, but signalling that the attention um, and and possibly the step change that's going to be coming soon, not not necessarily in full quantum capabilities, but in the road to full quantum capabilities. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I can see that happening, actually. I can see, uh, I can see it being very exciting, but also quite daunting at the same time. Um, I think we just need to be really minded about the advancements we're making and making sure that it's being harnessed in the right way. We touched upon that earlier, because it could very quickly not be and get out of hand, actually. I completely uh, agree. But there, there are good things as well. So yeah. sorry to, to interrupt you there, but um, so so another example, you know, there, there's a there's a company called Multiverse, and what they, they I, I love the phrase they they do quantum inspired algorithms. So I think that there's the, the nice thing about with, within the quantum ecosystem, within the quantum community, there's this real thirst for knowledge. There's this real thirst for collaboration, and that that's a positive thing. Um, then you know, I think you said it earlier. The the use you make of the technology is is it can be used for good, used used for not so good, and for used for downright evil. Um, but you know, as, as long as we do retain that kind of collaborative um, mindset and that that thirst for knowledge should be hopefully between all of us, we'll make sure or we can help um, ensure that it's used for good. What a, what, a, what a way to, to finish the topic on quantum. I don't think I can top that. I think that's absolutely great. No, absolutely. Uh, I, think, I think that's fantastic. I can't wait to see it happening. Um, I definitely want to learn more about Quick, and hopefully we can drop a link in the comments for people to understand more about Quick um, and to see some of the work that, um, that the members are up to there. Um, but as we, come, as we come near to the end of the wrap-up of the, of the show today, Tanya, uh, we always ask certain questions, and, and um, the question I'm going to ask you, the first one is, what is your prediction for IoT this year? Do you, uh, do you have a strong wish uh, or, or, or prediction of perhaps, I should go down the cookies after this, uh, uh, about something that you think is going to come true or something that you would like to come true in IoT this year? I think that there are there are a couple of things, and we're seeing this um, in, in, in quite a few um, lines of work that we're involved in. So there's definitely going to be a move to the edge. So um, a lot more uh, computing is going to happen kind of on device and on premises rather than necessarily all of that data uh, being sent to the cloud. And of course, that is um, it's, it's good because essentially, you know, there's a there's a huge cost to all of those data centers crunching numbers and crunching data that we may or may not be using in the future. So um, one, the transition or the, or the, not the transition, but um, an increase in processing at the edge. Um, and the second, I think, and it's related to this, is the um, development of more application specific uh, chips. 
so you know semiconductors and, and and chips that are very that are designed with a specific purpose in mind i suspect that those two things are going to uh, come to pass in the future yeah or at least uh, be more ubiquitous than they are now yeah absolutely um we've had yang yongbu mong from edge impulse talking about tiny ml we've had evgeny gusev from Qualcomm Tiny ML Foundation, so I absolutely believe and, under, and, and, and understand what you're saying. Uh, it, it kind of needs to happen, it can happen. In, in the past, mm -hmm. it, was it was limited by, by, the, by the compute power of the device in which it was there, actually. Could it, could it collect the data? Yes, it could. Could it send it back and be processed? Yes. Uh, but could it do it on-prem? Could it do it there and there? But in the past, it couldn't, right? And now it can. So I can, I can completely back you up on that, Tanya. It's absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Um, we've got a question from our audience. Um, are there any projects or collaborations between IoT startups and quantum computing companies that you find noteworthy or promising so far? So I think the, the, the biggest thing to say there is that a lot of quantum computing companies are actually startups themselves. Um, so you've, got, of course, got the, you know, the big players, uh, you know, IBM, you've got Talas. Um, you know, mentioned BMW uh, with with its own uh, computing quantum computing um, department and teams, but the the key area I think we mentioned already is is around cybersecurity. That's one where um, IoT companies are going to really have to um, understand what the risks are and start to design the systems, taking into account that kind of post uh, quantum uh, world. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, thank you for that. And a couple of quick fire questions, if I can, Tanya. Um, if you could have any IoT powered gadget in your home, what would it be and why? Right. Well, in that's a that's a really um, difficult question because I'm trying to really kind of reduce our carbon footprint. So anything <laughs> that's anything that's connected uh, by definition um, will be using electricity and sending data. Um, so if it was something that could power itself, so I, what I would really really love, and again this this is a probably because of the the particular point in the year we're at, air conditioning that is. You know, not as a, an eyesore as as it is um, at the moment. You know, the splits are absolutely hideous, but that can be powered, you know, with with renewable energy and then um, you know run completely independently of any other cables. Uh, that would be absolutely lovely. <laughs> I bet, yeah, yeah. Solar powered energy harvesting, all of those good things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Energy harvesting, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and finally, a quote that you live by. Oh yeah, that one's easy. Just because because you can doesn't mean you should, and it's something that I say to my children a lot. <laughs> but I do live by it myself as well. I love that. I love that. Tanya Suarez, thank you so much for coming on to the IoT podcast. It's been excellent having you on. I've really enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you so much for for the for the invitation, and look forward to to hearing and reaching out to to listeners as well. Thank you. Uh, and Tanya, where can people find out more about yourself? Uh, or IoT Tribe? So IoT Tribe is iottribe.org, so nice and easy. And for me, the best thing is, I think if you Google me, you'll probably find quite a, uh, a few things, but also I'm on LinkedIn. So oh. Tanya with a Y, Suarez um, and LinkedIn, that's uh, IoT Tribe, I'm sure I'll come up. Excellent. Tanya, once again, thank you very much for coming on to the IoT podcast. Pleasure, thank you.
Thanks for tuning in to the IoT podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're on. See you next week for more IoT talks and tales.